another episode of the Seamless Connection podcast. I am thrilled today to have with me Liz Popwell, the Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer at Stony Brook Medicine. And as you'll see in the background there, she's dealing with the lovely, lovely gift from uh, Father Winter here. Liz, how are you doing today? Doing well, Mina. Thanks for having me. And you'd mentioned this is actually your first big snow since you've moved here. And you, you moved there about almost two years ago, 2022, right? Right. Yeah. It'll be two years in uh, July. So oh, fantastic. this is the first oh. big snow. Sure. <laughs> we had a very mellow winter last winter. So that's uh, great. Yeah. So how have you found, I, I know that being new to a health system, to a hospital system is in and of itself a big change. And as a strategy and transformation officer, you're used to dealing with change, but from a personal perspective, how did you find the move to, to New York and Long Island specifically? Yeah, you know, we spent most of um, our adult lives, my, my husband was from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I met him um, in the late 90s and got married. And so we were there for most of our married life and um, moved to Michigan um, for a job there uh, with Ascension. And then about a year and a half, almost two years ago, came here to New York and we love it. I mean, the, the New York um it has got so many wonderful things. You know, we've got the city close by. If we want to go to the city, we have so many little villages here on Long Island, different kinds of beaches, um, just lots of fun things to do. And, you know, we just have really enjoyed getting to know people and, and getting to know um, people personally. And, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know people in the organization as well. Oh, that's fantastic. And and speaking of that, you've worked with different sizes of organizations over the years, you know, Behemoth's Life Ascension all the way down to the small scale ones all the way now to Stony Brook. Um, what have you found most different and unique about Stony Brook as well as um, something that's common through through all of them, regardless of, of kind of what size, what scale, what, what geography, what patient population? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that um, what makes Stony Brook unique is we have so many experts here. We have so much um, rich uh, knowledge, um, leadership. Uh, when you think about, you know, our list of accolades, they go on and on and on. Um, MRI technology was actually born out of Stony Brook. And so um, we've got a lot of inventors, innovators. Um, so our research mission, our academic mission, and our, our clinical mission all really come together very nicely. So a lot of great innovations in this organization and a lot of really uh, smart, well-accomplished people who work really well together and are very, very collaborative. So that's one thing that I really love about this organization. Um, the commonalities, I think the commonalities, you know, across different markets, there's a lot of problems to be solved that are similar. You know, access is always an issue. Disparities of care are always an issue. So um, you may be in different markets and you may have, may have different uh, geographic areas, but some of those things are pretty much the same no matter where you go and you're, you're just solving it for a different population. No, and that's um, that's one thing I would definitely want to hone in on because from what I understood, Stony Brook actually created this role for you as the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer. So one, can you tell us a little bit about what was there before, like did this kind of concept did not exist or, or was multiple people taking it on? Like what was the situation before you came and what motivated them, you think, to create it as, as a unique and, and discrete role in and of itself mm -hmm. um, to take them to, you know, wherever they want to go next? Right. Well, you know, in the past, you know, strategy was something that the executive team worked on together um, and really, you know, developed um, 
you know, their projects and ideas, things like that um, over time. And uh, there was a new leader, EVP, um, to the organization, and he, he wanted to make sure that we had a chief strategy and transformation officer role. So he created that role. Uh, he also created a chief marketing and communications officer role, which we didn't have before. Um, it, we had a marketing component, of course, but not really a chief position on that. So, um, so I got hired in, of course, as that role. And um, you know, as the team has been developed um, over time, there's been some additional new roles and 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 I'd say organizational changes to help make sure we have a fully well-rounded team focusing on all the elements we need to. And Stony Brook is so diverse. So when they brought you in, and as you think about your role even today, day to day, about you know almost a year and a half into it, uh, almost two years into it now, what what did you approach it as initially? You understood this, is this what you're brought in for? Versus now two years into it, you realize, okay, I either that's happened or not happened, but more importantly, how has it evolved? Because we've just seen so much growth and change across the healthcare industry since COVID as people have adapted to the new, the new normal, essentially. Um, and so I, I'd be curious and, and uh, to see you know, what, was, what were you expecting when you came in and then what has it really turned out to be now? Yeah, I mean, when I came in, I really, you know, came in with no, no predetermined expectations. You know, I, I knew I was joining a great organization, a very collaborative leadership team. Um, I knew that there were a lot of um, very innovative and um, really exciting projects and, and work going on in the clinical space and in the research space. And I think probably the biggest assumption coming in was just really how, how can I come help create a framework that pulls it all together. I think for organizations, it's really hard. We don't intentionally create silos, but you know, we have a lot of different pockets of people sometimes doing the same type of work. And so I really wanted to, to dig in and understand all the different elements of um, our different components. We are a little complicated because we have multiple um, entities. We have a hospital entity, we've got MSOs, we've got a CIN. So across those different entities, wanted to really understand uh, what was what work was going on, what was going well, where were some of the pain points we wanted to work on, and that sort of thing. And and honestly, you know, the team has been wonderful. We um, kicked off a strategic planning process. Uh, we took about a year to actually create the strategic plan because I didn't want to make any assumptions. I wanted to make sure we had a a good collaborative process. And uh, we did a lot of uh, listening tours, did a lot of interviews, did a lot of um, you know, retreats, that sort of thing, and even did some surveys with the staff so that we could make sure that we pulled that together and um, came up with a wonderful strategic plan that includes not just um, the healthcare components that we, we have, but also the research and education components in our health science goals. It's fantastic. And how, looking forward, what is your vision for Stony Brook now that you've had the time to dive in to really understand, you know, where the strengths are, where the areas for opportunity for growth are, um, looking at all of that together holistically, like you mentioned, you have all of these different sectors that could work together to take it to that next level. Um, what is your vision for it? So a lot of the things that we're working on right now is our physician enterprise and really looking at um, how our departments function and really looking at where can we standardize some of the back office functions. There's a lot of um, 
resources that we've duplicated or, um, you know, each department's kind of created their own processes over time. And so we're working with the department chairs and working across with our physician leaders to really think about, okay, do we really need to have this, this function duplicated two and three and 17 times. And so one of the things we're working on is really trying to identify the things that we can take off of the department chair's plates so that we can have them, you know, have more time to focus on strategy and, and other things and uh, not have to worry about some of the administrative components um, of, of just running the day-to-day -day offices and things like that. So that's a big journey for us. So we're working on that. And we're also working on call centers, contact centers, and trying to streamline how patients can contact us. Uh, we're big and we're complicated and we have lots of phone numbers and so lots of access points. And so we're trying to make that easier for our patients, for our consumers, and we're also trying to make it easier for our staff as well. So those are some of the big areas of focus for us this year. That's fantastic. And when you think, um, and when I think in particular about looking at how hospitals um, have really right-sized after COVID, one of the, the most common themes that I've heard from, you know, hospital executives like yourself is driving those operational efficiencies, like mm -hmm. you just said, which is there's a lot of redundancies and there's a lot of point solutions. So you talked about it from an operations perspective of having, you know, maybe the same staff or the same function across different departments or even different locations. And we see that also from a clinical perspective. I'm curious if you're seeing that too, where you have point solutions for multiple things, whereas if you could consolidate those, it's a similar concept, right? Driving those operational efficiencies. Are you seeing that as well on, on both sides? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we really are. And the one thing about Stony Brook that I really, you know, love is that, you know, you give a team a problem and they're going to solve it and they're and they're going to do it, you know, to the best of their ability. You know, for instance, um, when we think about clinical care, one of the things uh, we just had a briefing from our chief patient experience officer uh, this week, and she um, shared with us some of the work, I, you know, you know, you know, the work is going on, but you don't really have a deep appreciation until you really get into the weeds. And um, she and our, our chief quality officer and, and other individuals shared with us just all of the amazing work that they're doing around health equity and how to make sure we're having um, the right programs, the right services, the right data analytics to support um, all of those activities. And um, it's just mind blowing. Um, just, and it's very touching, you know, how they really look at not just the data, but really the patients and, and the patients as people and individuals and what do they need. And um, we have very diverse geography on Long Island. We have some very affluent areas and some very poor areas. And so we've got a lot of opportunities to really make those clinical programs better and uh, working with our health science schools. We also are working on a healthy, we have a healthy library program through one of our schools that really uh, takes students out and uh, helps the population uh, with blood pressure screenings, things like that. So we, we're really blessed in that sense. And um, I have to brag because the team just got um, their Joint Commission accreditation for health equity and we're the eighth hospital in the U.S. to have that. So that's, that's it's always nice to have that external validation, but uh, when you really see the work and how it's really impacting the clinical care, it's just so amazing. That's fantastic. Congratulations. I know what hard work goes into that, especially when something as difficult and complicated, because it's just such a, it's like having comorbidities. There's never just one problem and never one solution. You got to attack it from all sides. Um, and actually speaking of health equity, 
one of the biggest drivers of healthcare disparities and therefore how to solve it um, and, and achieve health equity is access and access to care. And like you mentioned, Long Island is a big, very diverse uh, geography and diverse population in and of itself. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the health access issues you're facing um, throughout the Stony Brook catchment area? Sure. Yeah, we we had lots of um, access issues. You know, we have um, provider shortage issues like any other organization, so that creates access issues. We have um, uh, diverse uh, geography where even where we have some of the most affluent, um, you know, individuals and the South Fork area or Southampton area, um, it can take two to three hours just to go 10 miles. And so um, because it's so congested in the summertime with all the, um, the visitors and things like that. So so we have um, travel distance issues as well as we have um, broadband uh, deserts, you know, areas where there is no, when we're talking about telemedicine, there is no um, access to broadband. So we're doing a lot of work um, really looking at uh, what can we do to influence all of those things. And so, uh, again, a lot of great work from a lot of different teams thinking about that. We've got a telehealth team that is working on some of our telehealth solutions. Um, like I said, we, we've got um, our health profession school. They're taking students uh, with um, physicians out into the community, into the library system, because that's a great way for us to access some of those um, individuals. And in some cases, they even uh, can check out blood pressure cuffs and take them home like they would a book. So, um, so we're, we're continuing to look at you know, ways we can innovate, uh, partnering with the schools. Um, one of our deans just the other day was telling me about all the different partnerships in the community that we're working on with uh, students. And then also helping to create the future pipeline of, of healthcare providers, because that's that's another thing, you know, just recruitment obviously is, is a difficult situation for a lot of organizations. And so we're constantly trying to find new and innovative ways to tackle those problems. No, it's fantastic. Um, and you mentioned telehealth there because, and, and I'm glad you did, because what we've seen it, throughout my conversations with people around the country is that telehealth is one of the key drivers to helping with healthcare disparities and helping with healthcare access issues. How has Sony Brook integrated that um, into its its overall care offering? We talked about, you know, you just mentioned a number of different ways it can work on getting into the community, but when that's not possible, and it's not possible at scale necessarily all the time, how can, um, or how do you plan to use telehealth to help bridge those access gaps? It's a great question. We, we started with really our specialty areas, you know, um, you know, telestroke, um, cardiology, some of those areas. Um, we are looking at options for EICU with some of our smaller hospitals out on the North and South Fork. So we're looking at some of those options in the future. We're actually looking at uh, virtual nursing solutions to help. Um, in some areas, and uh, that's a project that's under, you know, under review, I, I guess we should say that way. And um, we're looking at a lot of different options right now, but I think one of the biggest um, things that we've done for the community is our mobile stroke unit. And um, we've got multiple mo mobile stroke units, and basically it is an, a, a mini ER on an ambulance and um what happens is you know if you have if you have the right if you call with the right you know symptoms and um right information then we deploy the ambulance and it's got a ct scanner on it it's got tpa 
you know, it's got a telemedicine connection straight into the ER. And so we're able to go out into the community, get to those stroke patients quickly, diagnose them, start to, you know, medicate them as necessary as we're bringing them into the ER. So I think that's a really good uh, example of how we've taken telemedicine and ambulance services and put them together for, um, you know, obviously better coverage of the geographies that we have. No, that's fantastic. And and that stroke example where you're actually bringing it out to the community before bringing them back in, that's super interesting because I don't think I've ever heard of anyone else doing that. It's usually you you activate for door-to-needle time when they hit the door or what, even when they're in the ambulance. Right. So that's that's fantastic. Um, given the rapid evolution of telehealth and, and virtual care technologies more broadly, um, what role do you envision for them in achieving your strategic objectives for Stony Brook? Uh, going forward, whether it's Stony Brook broadly, whether it's for the health science campus, et cetera. I know there's different ways and, and different um, methodologies to incorporate it, whether it's internal, right, using it within your staff and, and extending your capacity utilization or maybe reaching patients in a broader uh, network than you can today. Yeah, so we, so again, we've got a great team looking at telehealth solutions. Um, we are also a member of the AAMC um, telehealth and AI uh, collaborative. Uh, we've been a part of that for a couple of years now. And so working with other academic medical centers, uh, we just actually went to, a couple of us went to um, MUSC to look at their bunker to learn about you know, how they're using telehealth services and how they're cohorting some of their providers. So um, so I think that the most important thing for us is to continue to look at those best practices, look at some of those new ideas and continue to bring those back to the organization. Um, telehealth is very important to our strategy and um, there's lots of different ways we can deploy telehealth, but also as we start to think about um, AI and predictive an analytics and some of those components, um, we're really looking and remote patient monitoring, right? So we're, we're looking at how all of those technologies interplay with one another to really help make sure we're providing the care we need. No, that makes sense. And as you look at one of the things you mentioned earlier is, is provider shortages. As you mentioned, it's, it's a common problem, unfortunately, throughout the country. There just aren't enough physicians and especially specialists to go around. Um, are there particular shortages you're facing even there and you know right outside New York City um, and you know do you have specific strategies in place to hopefully help meet those or, or is, is telehealth the solution for that yeah great question um, yeah rheumatology endocrinology you know all of the things that that most other organizations some of those um, specialties are just there's there's not a lot of those providers and so it's hard um, to have enough of those providers for the community. So some of those areas um, that other organizations would struggle with as well. And um, we do use telehealth and we do use telehealth visits, um, virtual visits as part of our platform. Um, a lot of our providers use that uh, routinely for follow-ups. Um, our APPs use that for follow-ups as well. And so I think we've done a nice job of really embedding that into our, our care planning and into our um, daily work. And so I think that that has, that has been a real uh, blessing for the organization as well as for the community, especially if they can't um, travel as far as, as they need to or they have issues with transportation, et cetera. So we've been able to, to embed that in pretty much all of our practices. Um, where we have not really implemented is um, on the urgent care, urgent um, televisits. We really, we had some of that um, thought process during the, the pandemic. And then uh, we really are in the process of thinking about that and relaunching um, some ideas around how do we do that in a different way. So um, 
we started with our specialty and we're kind of working our way back to the urgent care visit piece. Urgent care, urgent care. No, that, that completely makes sense. When you think about that um, and, and bringing in new resources, new capacities to the system, um, if you had a wish list and you could get anything on that wish list for this year, what would that be? Oh, wow. Uh, more primary care. <laughs> I think, yeah, more primary care, you, you know, is is our big struggle. And um, I think it's a struggle for many organizations. And just um, having the right um, primary care in the right locations is, is one of the key areas that we're focusing on. And when you say that, is that because the doctors you have are already have full panels? Or is that because um, patients, even if they have capacity, patients are having trouble getting to their PCPs, you know, like you mentioned, for those other travel and other logistical issues? It's a combination, you know, because again, we're you know, one and a half million people in Suffolk County. We're very spread out. So it depends on the geography. Sometimes it's um, inability to get to the provider. Um, sometimes it's just remote areas that, you know, it's hard to recruit um, people to those areas. In some cases, it's cost of living. And we've had some real issues with cost of living where, um, it's hard to recruit because uh, the cost of living is so high in some of the areas in Suffolk County. So those are some of the, the struggles as well as just, um, you know, a lot of people come here and stay here. Um, and so, you know, recruiting, um, we recruit a lot from um, our school, medical school and, and that sort of thing. But um, it, it's, it's hard, you know, when you're looking at all these various geographies, um, some of them have... Um, access issues because the provider panel is full. Some of them have um, access issues because they just can't uh, can't get you know transportation or access from that perspective. No, that makes sense. And and as we kind of look to the future for Stony Brook and, and what your hopes and, and dreams are for it, people talk a lot about the changes they're putting in place. Sometimes what we forget to think about is the changes we've already made. So what have you been most proud of over the last, you know, almost two years that you've already put into place or, or taken the steps and laid the foundation and the groundwork? You know, I'm, I'm very proud of the strategic plan we've developed. It's a very comprehensive plan. Um, we're looking at, um, you know, five priorities, workforce and culture, which is huge um, and very important. We just had some very positive employee engagement survey improvements that were reported. So uh, the organization is very proud of that. Our CHRO has done a great job of helping us really think through uh, workforce strategies and um, hiring strategies for staff and did an amazing job. That team's done an amazing job of recruiting staff. Um, and then we talk about you know, our healthcare components and uh, looking at growth, technology, um, partnerships, all of those things, and what are the right places for us to provide new services, as well as what additional um, specialty services do we want to grow as, as the tertiary quaternary center in Suffolk County. We're constantly looking at, um, you know, the high acuity component of what we do. And then for research, you know, we're looking at interdisciplinary research and same for education. We really are focusing a lot with our education on uh, creating these innovation um, cohorts where we have uh, our nursing school, our medical school, our social workers, you know, physical therapists, et cetera, coming together in their um, formative training years to really work on projects, learn how to work together, how to communicate together before they enter the workforce, which I think is a huge development for workforce, you know, 
historically we've always trained um, like every other school we, we train in our different silos and our different um, uh, practices and in our different areas of expertise and then we expect that people can communicate when they join the workforce and so we're really focusing on how to make it easier for teams to come together and really to uh, to work together and communicate better that's fantastic. Um, sometimes the, the biggest innovations are around the simplest things that we forget mm -hmm. about and all the blocking and tackling. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and speaking of that, I'd, like, I'd love to close with, uh, with a question for you and your vision for the future. Um, what's on your radar for the next five years that you're most excited about? It could be something you're working on internally, but it could just as easily be something you're seeing in the industry or with a potential partner uh, or something you'd like to have capabilities, capacities. Um, that might or might not even exist yet. So I'm, I'm curious as to kind of where your head goes when you think about that, that five-year kind of horizon. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how um, some of the technology evolves around, you know, chat GPT, you know, AI, machine learning, predictive analytics. Um, we have a school of biomedical informatics that is a cross between our engineering school and our school of medicine. And um, they've been doing um, a lot of predictive analytics, machine learning, and um, modeling for years over um, pathology results, for example, or radiology or for research. And um, I'm just really curious, you know, that the there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of myth, I'm sure, and there's a lot of um, probably practical applications. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out, especially when you think about cybersecurity, think about data aggregation. Um, I just think that's an exciting area for everyone. And I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, hits and misses probably as, as we decide to, you know, use those technologies as an industry. Um, there's, you know, lots of um, AI out there already, chatbots, things like that, that's been there forever. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to see all the hype, but I'm really interested to see what shakes out of that and how we can actually deploy practical solutions. Yeah, that's fantastic. You and me both. <laughs> we see, we see, I see and hear so many things. So yes, that, that is definitely one of my, one of my key wishes for the future. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for the time today. It was lovely to talk to you and hear about both what you've already done at Stony Brook and what the, uh, what the institution overall already has in place, as well as what you're working on for the future. It looks like it's going to be an exciting couple of years. Amina, thank you so much for having me. And, um, Appreciate it.